As I mentioned this morning, we are today and next week considering five blessings of the believer that are found particularly in Ephesians chapter 1. There are others. You might say, well, why is he not talking about this, that or the other? Uh, Well, I've just pulled five out uh, for this occasion. Uh, The first one, the nature of the blessings of God, we looked at this morning. We're going to look at tonight the blessing of a sure inheritance. And uh, on Tuesday, we'll look at the blessing of God's acceptance. And next Lord's Day, God willing, we'll look at the blessing of redemption in the morning and the blessing of God's abundance or his generosity in the evening. So then, this morning we're considering the uh, description that is given in Ephesians 1 of these blessings. And we saw they were continual blessings day by day. We saw that they were spiritual in nature, that they are heavenly blessings. They do not belong, as it were, on this earth. They've been brought down to us and that they are complete in Jesus Christ. So then, tonight we turn to... uh, the blessing of an inheritance. I guess many people of what you might call a mature age have come into an inheritance of some kind. It might have merely been a token, a token in memory of a loved one, or or it might have been a substantial uh, gift of of maybe a sum of money or, or property. And Our passage that we've read today tells us that the people of God have an inheritance. An inheritance that is way beyond anything on this earth. And more than that, it's an inheritance that you can actually get some of it now. Well, that's, that's an unusual inheritance, isn't it? Uh, but that's what the scripture says. And our text for tonight then is from verse 11. In whom we have obtained an inheritance. And a little bit of from verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, you wouldn't normally look forward to an inheritance, would you? Uh, I did once. Uh, That's a confession, isn't it? I remember I must have been in my young teens, and my father told me that my step-grandmother had got my name in her will. Uh, That's good, isn't it? And I can remember uh, kind of imagining, what is that going to be? And going back a few years, see, so I think it could be about £25. That would be a lot of money for a teenager in those days. Or it could be a lot more. Well, many years later, I ended up pastoring a church where she was actually a member. And she lived an inordinate length of time. And when she died, she left me nothing. So there's an expectation, you see. And sometimes our hopes are dashed, but not here. Uh, As I say, you normally uh, wouldn't look forward to an inheritance... But we may look forward to this one. We're entitled to do so. We're encouraged to do so. So what's an inheritance? Well, it's something someone leaves us, isn't it? In a will. Uh, People can make a will uh, in all sorts of strange ways as long as it's legal. Uh, Many years ago, and I know I've told you this before, but many years ago, one job I had, I had to lecture in basic English law. And uh, one of those issues, of course, was inheritance. And that took up a a number of sessions. And I seem to remember telling people, whether it's still true or not, I don't know. But legally, you could write a will on the side of an elephant or on an eggshell. Both would be legal. Both would be difficult to file, but they would be legal, um, as long as everything else was in order. And making a will means, doesn't it, when you've died, your possessions will be distributed according to 
to what you wish. Um, and if your name is written in that will, then you'll get whatever is beside it. Um, and there's some very rich people in the world, isn't there? And uh, when you look into where their money came from, it only came from an inheritance. There were some very, very large inheritances down through the generations. But my friends, nothing compares to your inheritance and my inheritance if we are a believer. Now I've got four points this evening, none of them are at great length, but the first is this, what is the Christian's inheritance? We'd like to know what we're going to get. And the best answer is found actually not in our reading, I don't think, it's found in Psalm 16 verse 5. Let me read it. It says, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. I think that sums up what the Christian's inheritance is. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. Elsewhere, when it's talking about the Christian's reward, it says, or the Lord says, our reward is with him. In other words, our inheritance, everything we're going to talk about in a moment, is in Christ. And Christ himself is our inheritance and all that we have in him. And that's what Paul is saying here, really, when he writes to the church at Ephesus, when he says, as we quoted this morning, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so many times you read that, particularly in the New Testament, of course, it's in Christ. Now, it's useful to remember that the people who read this letter uh, from Paul uh, at Ephesus, many of them would have been very poor people. Uh, Some were slaves, servants, They had little of this world's goods. And so if someone tells them you've got an inheritance, that meant a great deal to them. For most of you here, if I tell you you've got an inheritance, you're actually looking fairly wealthy already. It it might give you a little extra, but you have sufficient. These people didn't. They were living at the bottom of the social pile. And here we learn that the things of this world have little value when it comes to our souls and eternity. I think, I can't remember, perhaps I can try and remember the exact words, a sticker in my study there, it says, remember all things or see all things in the light of eternity. doesn't mean we're to neglect the things of this world, but everything we do should be seen. How will this be seen in eternity? And when it comes to an inheritance... We're talking about something that will be seen in in eternity. This is something important for us. When I was a pastor in Essex, we sometimes used a hymn book that uh, went back where its origins came from the 1800s. And the people who got that hymn book together then were working amongst a community that were very poor. Uh, And in fact... The culture, not just of them, but the area at the time, particularly in Essex, was agricultural. And so a lot of those people would be up very early in the morning, they would be working long hours, and they would get very low wages. There was no guaranteed minimum wage in those days. And the hymn book that they got together had got one of the biggest sections on heaven that I've seen in any hymn book, because that was their aspiration. They were never going to get anything much here. Heaven was their delight. They were looking for their inheritance. And what a glorious inheritance to possess in the future in Christ. Let me just give a a little glimpse for a moment. We've got a passage here, for example, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10. As it is written, eye has not seen, ear 
has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I'm going to read the next verse as well, because otherwise someone will tell me, why didn't you read the next verse? But just get that verse for a moment. We haven't seen and we haven't heard, it hasn't even entered into our hearts some of the things that God has prepared for us. In other words, we could read the book of Revelations and we can talk about streets of gold and, and all the things that are written there. We can read about the, the great hope that we have and the change that's coming. And God says here, yeah, all of that's true, but there's a lot more beside that I haven't even told you yet. It hasn't even entered into your thinking. But the next verse says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. In other words, there are some things here in scripture that he has revealed to us. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. In other words, we are to delve into them. We are to begin to know some of them things that to the general population means nothing to them. What is our inheritance? Well, we can list a few things that are given to us in scripture. A new body spoke this morning, didn't we, about the frailty of our body. This is part of our inheritance. We're going to get a new one. Without pain, without sickness, Romans 8 tells us, the whole creation groans. And that's true, isn't it? uh, We see volcanoes, we see uh, tsunamis, we now see a lot of fires. And, uh, you know, the, the earth is groaning. And the scripture says, it waits. It waits for a redemption. But it goes on to say, and we ourselves groan within ourselves. Sometimes we groan without ourselves as well. In other words, there is a, the illnesses and the sicknesses and the things that are about us, the trials and temptations, are a part of, of our old nature groaning. And it says we're waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. That's a great thing to look forward to. And maybe look forward to it a bit, old, a bit longer when we get a bit older, I don't know. But uh, how old are we going to be? How old do you want to be when you get a new body? They're not going to ask, you're going to fill in this form and put the age that you want. Uh, we'd have put the age you want. I wonder what age we'd all put. We wouldn't be putting down 70 or 80, would we? We'd be putting down something a lot younger. I think the Lord would give us something decent, don't you? Uh, that's a wonderful thing. But then it's, there's other stuff there, isn't it? We're going to have an unsinning heart. The, the hymn writer talks about that. Two or three hymn writers talk about it. But it's a great, it should be a great aspiration of us. In one sense, you know, there are sins that we do deliberately. You might say, well, I know that's wrong, but I'm still going to do it. But there are other things that crop up in our minds and, and we say, I didn't expect that. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to think that. I didn't want to see that. And we didn't do it on purpose. It just happened because it's around us and we have still got an old sinful nature. And, you know, if we're sensitive to those things we usually send up a prayer and say lord didn't mean to do that i didn't want to see that we're going to have an unsinning heart we can't imagine what that's like to love the lord with an unsinning heart to love one another with an unsinning heart it's something we can't experience here in its fullness until we're changed and then we're going to have a reunion with those who died in christ you know when we have funerals of course they're, they're naturally sad But there is that that we have, isn't it? A blessed and glorious hope that when they die in Christ, we shall meet again. There's still a keenness. As the scripture says, we sorrow, but it says we sorrow not as those who have no hope. 
And that's a wonderful thing. There will be a reunion with those who died in Christ. A reunion with those that uh, we knew and we loved. But also we shall meet people that we've heard of. Some of these hymn writers. I don't know how we'll recognise one another, but you might want to ask Isaac Watts why he wrote one or two that you think that was a bit iffy. Or, or Charles Wesley, you might say, but will we remember those things? I don't know. It'd be a wonderful thing to ask Jonah what it was like in the belly of a fish. You'll have your own things that you want to ask people. And if we're going to be there for eternity, I would suggest there'll be plenty of opportunity for those questions. But there's more than that, isn't there? Part of our inheritance. We're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Only darkly now we see him with the veil in between, says Scripture and the hymn writer. And it's wonderful when the Lord draws nigh to us, whether it's in a service like this or in our private times, but to actually be with him, to see the one who actually gave his life for you. Now, these are all part of the inheritance that we know about, but I'm sure there's much more. There's just a glimpse, isn't it, of something of our inheritance. Secondly, then, how does this inheritance come to us? We inherit naturally, don't we, when someone dies. And according to uh, who it is, we know we're going to get something or not. Some of you may see the television programme called Air Hunters, where people die without a will, without any relatives, and they've got to trace who might be entitled, some distant cousin, and uh, someone to knock on your door. I must admit, if someone phoned me up and said, so-and-so's died and left you some money, I'd probably think it was a scam. But nevertheless, it seems to work. People, people do get money like that. Someone's died. And my friends, that's the only way we get an inheritance. Someone's died. Jesus Christ has died. And all of this is only because he's died. And quite often when you read the scriptures, you'll find the cross and the crown come together. Because of his saving work on the cross, there are crowns, there are inheritances for the people of God. Never forget why Christ came into the world. We get kind of a little bit cosseted at the Christmas season, don't we? We look at the babe by uh, faith and we think of all that he came to do and there's some wonderful things there. But we must sometimes take a step back. What did the Lord say? Uh, John records it. Jesus came into the world that we might be one day where he is. That's a great summary of the gospel and what Jesus was doing. To, to take us where we ought not to go, as it were, that we might be where he is. And so our inheritance comes through his death, but we sorrow not like we do with one another, with the loss of an earthly friend, because our Lord has risen again. That's wonderful, isn't it? We have our inheritance and we have our saviour. It would be a wonderful thing if our loved ones passed away and we got whatever they wanted to give us and then, well, they'd want it back again, wouldn't they, if they came back again? It doesn't work like that with the saviour. And Paul writes, Church at Rome, chapter 8, verse 17, says, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We're heirs. Strangers don't get a look in here, unless saved by grace. And then we're pilgrims passing through. So then our inheritance comes through Christ's death, but also through his resurrection. Now look at the nature, thirdly then, of our inheritance. We've seen what it is, at least in part, but, you know, having your name in someone's will as a beneficiary can mean you get nothing. 
as I told you with my particular relative. But the see, the character of an earthly inheritance is, is somewhat shaky. It's unreliable, isn't it? If I write my will out and I say I, I, I've left you something in my will, I might die first, you might die first. It, it, it can, something can happen. It's unreliable. It's unsure. I could tell you again that I'm leaving you something in my will, but I'll spend it. Time I die, there's nothing left. That seems quite a good kind of thing to me. I don't know. I saw a car sticker once. It says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. And again, I, I could see some merit in that. Particularly as my children aren't here tonight. It's, it's also corruptible. If, if your car, if someone's going to leave you their car, you think, well, how old is it? How long are you going to live? And the time you get it, it, it may not be much use. Even money can be devalued by inflation. People write their will 30 years ago and leave you a £1,000. It's worth a lot of money 30 years ago. And then, of course, it's changeable. You could just write a new will. That's all you have to do. Tear up the old one, write out a new one. Someone's changed their mind and you don't get what you were promised. But, my friends, that's the character of an earthly inheritance. We're looking at a heavenly inheritance. And its character is very, very different. That's why we read 1 Peter 1. Verse 4 says that we're going to get an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It fades not away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. What a wonderful little description there. Look at those words. Incorruptible. In other words, there's nothing in itself to spoil. All is in Christ is pure and holy. There is nothing within that can spoil what the Lord is giving you. And it's undefiled. What does that mean? Well, as incorruptible, I mean, there's nothing inside that can make it spoil. Undefiled means there is nothing outside that can spoil it. It is unstained with the things of this world. And it fades not away. It won't wither, it won't diminish, it won't devalue. The, the, the eternal blessings and inheritance that God has for us will be as worth as much when we get them as what they are now. And there's a balance in those descriptive words. Incorruptible and undefiled emphasise the fact that these things are indestructible. When it says they fade not away, it relates in the original language very much there to the beauty and the grace that there is in these things for us. And then I like that phrase at the end of that verse. It says it's reserved in heaven for you. Got your name on it. It's laid up just for you. An inheritance kept for the people of God that have been kept in Christ. What does the Lord say in his prayer? Father, I will that thou would keep them, those whom thou hast given me. You know, there's a great blessing in reading the prayers of Jesus Christ. Because if anyone's prayers are going to be answered, they're his. And he prays that we're going to be kept. And he's going to keep not only us, but that inheritance for us. In Hebrews, we read that we have the promise of an eternal inheritance. Chapter 11, uh, sorry, chapter 9, verse 15, it says there, And for this cause is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressors that were under the First Testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. 
Now, my friend, someone leaves you something, say a thousand pounds, you spend it, it will be gone. But this is an eternal inheritance. The blessing that God gives us will go on and on for all eternity. Look again at the words of verse 11 in our uh, reading in Ephesians 1. It says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. In other words, this is something that God has determined for you. He's laid it up, he's prepared it, he's determined that you will have it. And there is nothing that can take it away. All those things I said about a natural inheritance where someone changes their mind, it fades away, it spoils or whatever. No, none of that's here. It's quite the opposite. And we've got at least a quadruple guarantee. You've got the guarantee of scripture, his undefiled word, where it says you've got an eternal inheritance. tells us how it's, it's coming to us, the promise of his word. You've got the purchase of it by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've got it confirmed by Christ's own resurrection and it's confirmed by an eternal decree. Now what more could you want than the very word of God and the very life of Christ, the blood of Christ, the resurrection of Christ? If you want a better guarantee than that, then well, you might as well go home, mightn't you really? Because there's nothing more than that in heaven or earth. Let me give you one more then. Who will inherit this inheritance? In life, it could be anyone, couldn't it? Occasionally, I suppose, someone you don't know might have left you something. But normally it comes through relations, friends. And we leave things perhaps to charities. Perhaps someone who has done you a kindness. But who inherits here? Well, we have it. The saints, the faithful. Or 1 Peter 1, it says, Those who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. It's a wonderful thing. We're going to be revealed at the last time. You know, our neighbours and friends around, they may have a certain respect for us. I hope they do. Uh, and they may, might think you're nice people, but they still think you're a bit strange because you go to that chapel. Still think you're a bit strange because, you, well, you're a Christian, but not a Christian like they just hop off to church occasionally. No, they're real Christians. They're committed Christians. There's something a little bit odd about them. And in many countries, and we've mentioned them in prayer, they'd like to kill us. And they do kill people who are believers. But the day is going to come when it will be revealed. That these people were the people of God. It will be revealed when the Lord comes in the clouds of bright glory. Who is his inheritance for? Those who are kept by the power of God. Colossians 1 says, Those who are made meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We've been made partakers of the inheritance, and that's by grace, isn't it? If our names are in the will, if we are the Lord's people, they're also on the palm of his hand, as scripture says. We're written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, you know, th these are wonderful things where our names are written, and we've been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so, if you are a Christian today, your name's in the will. Your name's on the palm of his hand. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. You've been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This isn't wages. I don't expect my old employer to have left me anything. I've had my wages there. This is a gift of God. Gift of God. The wages of sin is death. We earn those. But the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ. It's got nothing to do with education. It's got nothing to do with wealth or health. It's got nothing to do with what you've done. People are heirs to these things because of what Jesus Christ has done. So there, it might be a bit short tonight, but that's really what I've got to say with a little bit of application. What is this inheritance? The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. And we've looked at some of the changes that are going to come and the things that we'll know in a new body, an unsinning heart, and to see the Saviour, those that have gone on before. Secondly, how does it come to us? Through Christ's death and resurrection. We have a relationship. It's another one of the blessings of Ephesians 1, that we've been adopted, we've been brought into the family of God. And the nature of that inheritance is eternal, it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fades not away, it's reserved in heaven for you. And who will inherit? Those in Jesus Christ, those who have come to repentance and faith. So a little bit of application then. You can enjoy some of this now. Can't do that, can you? Not really. If I'd gone to my dad and said, like the prodigal dad, you're going to die one day and you're going to leave me something I hope... Give us a bit now. Can, give a bit? Can we have an advance on that? I know what he would have said, and it wouldn't have been very gracious. And I don't blame him, really. It sounds presumptuous, doesn't it, say we can get a portion now. But look at verse 14 of our reading in Ephesians 1. Paul has been writing about the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and he writes, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. What does he mean? That is, until we know our body's redeemed. But what's an earnest? People don't use that name much today, do they? It's an old name. It's not what it means. It's not a name, is it? What's an earnest? It's an old-fashioned word. Some have described it like a guarantee. But that's really quite inadequate. Because a guarantee isn't an actual portion, is it? The Greek word here indicates that the earnest is an actual foretaste. A deposit of that which is to come. That the sealing of the Spirit of God, the the moving of the Spirit of God within us, in in, that's another sermon, in, in ways that perhaps we don't fully understand, but he gives us a foretaste now of what it is to get into heaven. I forget who it was who said it, but someone said, we need to get some heaven in us before we get into heaven. And that's what this is about. We've got a a fantastic inheritance, but the Lord comes to us now and he blesses our souls and and he enables us to at least get some uh, idea and feeling of what it is to know the living God. The sealing of the Holy Spirit, the earnest which we're given. My friends, what a, a blessing to have an inheritance and to feel something of its benefit and quality. One says... One hymn says, here and now, on earth, some glimpse is given of that which waits us through the gates of heaven. We're going to sing in a moment, but I'll quote the verses now. It's 647, I say we'll sing it in a few moments, but it says there, true pleasures abound in the rapturous sound, and whoever has found it has paradise found. My Jesus to know and to feel his blood flow Tis life everlasting, tis heaven below. And that's the earnest, is to know a little bit of heaven below. To really get that assurance of sins forgiven, to feel his blood flow, then that is heaven below. He goes on, yet onward I haste to the heavenly feast. That is the fullness, but this is the taste. And this I shall prove, till with joy I remove 
to the heaven of heavens in Jesus' great love. And Wesley had that right there, didn't he? So uh, it's something that we can have a, a foretaste of now. But secondly, let's live in the light of such an inheritance. See, if I went to the bank and I said, my friend's leaving me a million pounds, and uh, can you lend me a hundred thousand on the strength of what he's going to do? Well, the bank would throw me away, wouldn't they? They say nothing's sure till your friend's dead, and nothing is sure until his, his will has been uh, approved, etc. I could have a hope of a million pounds, but I'd still live like a poor man. But you see, the Christian's inheritance is certain. It sure is. You can go to the bank of heaven and you can draw on that. You can have a portion here and now, and we may enjoy that now. Christians ought not to live as spiritual paupers. We may have to be poor in this world's goods in, in some uh, circumstances. That, that's another subject. But we should be rich in the things of God. And my friends, we can only do that if we're close to him. We won't if we walk in sin. We have to walk worthy. We have to walk carefully. We have to render unto him the glory that is his due. That, that we are undeserving sinners, but we're saved by grace. Let's be thankful also. Verse 12 says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In other words, these blessings, they are for us to enjoy, but not a selfish enjoyment. It doesn't make us better than other people, but that we might enjoy them, and in enjoying them, give praise unto God from whom these heavenly blessings came. And then finally tonight, to any without a portion, what hinders you? You say, well, I don't, well my name is in that will, I don't know whether I've got an inheritance. My friends, the price has been paid and all that God demands of you has been met in Jesus Christ. You need to feel a need of him. You need to know that burden of sin. And Why not look to Christ, whether we're here or whether we're online? We may look to Christ and we must keep looking and keep seeking until we have that assurance of sins forgiven. It'd be wonderful if someone could look back on this day and say, that was the day the Lord dealt with my soul. What a wonderful blessing that would be. Well, may the Lord bless us as we look forward to this inheritance, give him praise for it, and enjoy a portion of it whilst we're here below. For his name's sake. Amen. <laughs>